We've been talking quite a lot about continuity of mindfulness as a support for the stability of mind and the ability to meet just what's happening in our experience. And I'd like to explore this side of practice a little bit tonight, how to encourage, encouraging this continuity by talking about and exploring with you investigating mindfulness itself. And in particular, I'd like to explore with you what we could call the coming and goings of mindfulness. It's framing it in a slightly different way than we usually think about it in our minds. Usually we think about the mind getting lost or wandering off. And uh, here I'd really like to emphasize the mindfulness piece. Mindfulness is stronger at times, weaker at times. And investigating that. Investigating when that happens, how that happens, what's going on around it. To be curious about the coming and going of mindfulness as opposed to feeling like... um, this is a problem, it needs to be fixed or changed, but instead to just be kind of curious about it. There's a lot we can learn in this exploration. We can learn, in particular, one big area we can learn about is where do our minds get caught? What is it that hooks us such that mindfulness disappears? Where does our, what are our mindfulness sinks? Where are the rabbit holes of mindfulness? Where mindfulness just kind of disappears. So that's one big area we learn about exploring this. We also really in investigating this, getting, exploring this, if we are curious instead of judgmental about this process of seeing mindfulness as it gets stronger at times and weaker at times, we actually get to see in our direct experience some of the teaching around not-self, some of the direct understanding of not-self. I'm just thinking about it. Many of you have probably reflected in this way, If you think about what you do, you know, when we sit down to meditate, we attempt to be mindful. We try to pay attention to our experience, maybe choose the breath, pick an an object to pay attention to. That's our purpose and our intention. And yet what happens? We maybe can stay with experience for a few seconds or a few minutes and the mind wanders. Mindfulness gets lost. Did you do that? Did you decide, I'm going to have my mind wander right now? Or did it just happen? This is a pointer to not-self. And even more amazing, the mind's off wandering in thought and then It comes back. Who did that? (laughs) You know, you weren't even there to to have any say in the matter. This kind of points to, again, not self. You know, one of the the framings of the not self teaching that the Buddha offered was to reflect on whether or not our minds and bodies are under our absolute control. And the Buddha, in one of his uh, famous discourses, the second discourse he gave, he reflected, and I'll just, he, he was reflecting this around the five aggregates. So body, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. But I'll just say it with respect to consciousness because it kind of really highlights highlights this. He says, consciousness is not self. If consciousness were self, 
it would be possible to say of consciousness, may my consciousness be thus. May my consciousness not be thus. But it is not possible to say of consciousness, may my consciousness be thus. And it is precisely because it is not self that that is the case. And so this exploration of mindfulness coming and going really begins to point this truth out to us. Our minds are not under our absolute control. We cannot say to ourselves, I'm going to sit down and be mindful for 45 minutes. Anybody able to do that? (laughs) Maybe at times, (laughs) rare times I've been able to do that, but you know, it's not the common thing. And so one thing um, I want to just point out here, uh, in this talk I'm going to be using the terms awareness and mindfulness synonymously. Uh, Joseph talked about this the other night, but I just wanted to state that very clearly in this talk. That is how I'm going to be using these two terms. And so one of the avenues of exploring mindfulness itself, I'm going to talk about it from a bunch of different perspectives. One of the avenues of exploring mindfulness itself is to begin to recognize it, to begin to recognize what it means to be aware. What is the experience of being aware? One of the easiest places to recognize this, and we've talked about this moment, is the moment when mindfulness returns. That moment of what I just talked about, that spontaneously mindfulness comes back. That moment is one of the easiest places to, to highlight what the experience of being aware, being mindful is. Because as, as Joseph said the other, the other night, in that moment there's, there's a little bit of a difference. And in that moment of the mind, mind waking up, there's a lingering memory perhaps, a, a little bit of a sense of what it was like just a few moments before when the mind was lost and what it's like right now when mindfulness is present. And so you begin to get a sense of the flavor of awareness itself. This is what we might call unprompted mindfulness. It's not, it's not mindfulness that we are consciously choosing to do. One of the great things about that moment, one of the uh, really helpful things to recognize about that moment is just how effortless it is, just how spontaneous it is. It doesn't take work to have that moment arise. And one of the things I've seen in my own practice is highlighting that moment, beginning to recognize what it feels like when mindfulness returns actually begins to, I would say, make us familiar with what it feels like for mindfulness to return. You're kind of highlighting that moment. If, if we are, rather than judging ourselves for the fact that oh, I was lost in thought, this is a problem. If instead we highlight the arising of mindfulness and curiosity about mindfulness itself in that moment, we begin to get familiar with what it's like to have that moment. And the familiarity with that experience starts to help us to recognize it more often. And actually, what we see as we start to get familiar with that moment of mindfulness arising is that it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Often what happens in that moment is that we start thinking about or orienting to the thing we've become mindful of. And we may, if we're not attuned to that moment, if we're not kind of interested in that moment of arising mindfulness itself, we can have a moment of mindfulness returning and then quickly it gets swamped by, you know, we we hear a bird and then we start thinking about birds. Or we hear the sound of of a truck and we start thinking about what that truck is doing. And so if we're interested instead in the actual reappearance of mindfulness, that very experience or that that familiarity starts to 
point out or highlight these moments to us. This is actually one of my favorite practices for daily life. This is a, this is a great practice for daily life. For those, uh, f- this is one of the things I, I tell to people to practice when people say, I don't have time to do mindfulness. I don't have time to be mindful in my daily life. This moment doesn't take any effort. It's just the recognition of it re-arising. And so, why do you notice that moment? The first thing is to recognize what is the experience of being aware? What is that experience? Notice just what's obvious in that moment. So there's the awareness itself and something that awareness is aware of. So in that moment of recognition, Highlight the awareness and notice what is, what is here now? What is already here? What is the awareness? What is mindfulness already aware of? Mindfulness has arisen. It's already attending to something. We don't have to pick anything to be aware of in that moment. It's already happening. Another helpful thing to do in that moment or to check into and you know this is do this with a light touch but from time to time in that moment of the arising uh, mindfulness is mindfulness returning you could also check in and what's my relationship to this very often at least earlier in practice, especially at the beginning of retreats, the attitude when the, when the mindfulness returns is um, judgment. You know, I, I shouldn't have, mind shouldn't have been wandering. And so that's, you know, it's, it's really helpful to recognize that attitude in the mind. But as that judgment starts to fall away, we can start to see, because when, when mindfulness disappears, the mind is not in, uh, it hasn't been switched off, right? We're, we know this, you know, when mindfulness disappears, the mind, the mind continues doing its thing, often going off thinking thoughts about various things. And in that wander, the mind may have landed on something from our past or some conversation we had with somebody uh, before we came to retreat and emotions may start to be generated. And so sometimes in, the, in that moment of mindfulness returning, if, we're, if we don't check into the attitude, we may miss that the, the wander, the wander of the wandering mind has created a new terrain, actually, a new landscape. And opening, opening to that. So sometimes checking the attitude can help us to see what kind of uh, wander, what, what was created in the wander. We can also explore and get familiar with the feeling of awareness when we are already aware. In my own, in my own experience, my own exploration of this topic in my own practice, I did find the moment of remembering, the moment when mindfulness returned to be pretty much the easiest place to recognize awareness. When awareness is already present, when it's already kind of going, sometimes we know that we're aware, but we don't exactly know what the experience of awareness is. And that's okay. And so sometimes when, if there is a period of time where the mindfulness seems to be strong, there's a little bit more continuity of mindfulness, you could just check in, drop in the question, what is it to be aware? What is it to be mindful right now? And don't go looking very hard for it. If you, like right now, 
I think probably most of you are aware and listening to the talk. And so just check in. Do you know that you're aware right now? Don't think about it. Do you know that you're aware? Just kind of acknowledge that you know you're aware. And then don't go looking any further than that. Over time, what I've seen is that just that simple acknowledgement, yeah, I know I'm aware. Now, can I point to what it means to be mindful or aware in that moment? Can I point to that and say, oh, that's it? That's harder to do. But we can know that we are aware. And over time, that uh, kind of reflection can help us to, again, land in the experience of knowing awareness itself, of being aware of awareness itself. Now I'd like to explore this topic from another perspective. I'd like to explore it from the, so I've explored it now mostly from the side of when awareness returns. And I'd like to explore what it means or paying attention to mindfulness in terms of noticing where we lose mindfulness. One of the, um, so getting curious about this. This really helps to support continuity. It's not, it's not intended as a judgment to notice where we lose awareness, but more to support the sense of, oh, look at that. I see that that's where I'm losing awareness. Maybe I can be curious about that. And over and over I'm going to point to this quality of curiosity around this practice. Curiosity around, how do I lose mindfulness? As opposed to, oh, I see I lose mindfulness. Let me double down. And really, like, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that mindfulness. Curiosity is really an ally for us in this exploration of mindfulness. And so I'm going to talk about various ways, different avenues of exploring where, where and how we lose mindfulness. Some of the most obvious places for us to check in, kind of an early kind of, uh, and and many of you actually have been reporting in the interviews, noticing this kind of thing, of noticing particular activities, times of day, things that you're doing in which you lose mindfulness. So you might begin to recognize that when you go to your rooms, you lose mindfulness. Or maybe when you're standing in the dish line, you're quite mindful, and then you go to do your dishes and see, you've done your dishes, you're, you're drying off your hands, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Where did that mindfulness go? So you see you lose it in the actual washing of dishes. Or you might notice that you're losing mindfulness in your yogi job. There's so many different kind of activities that we do during the day, you may have some favorite places for mindfulness to get lost. So be curious about that. And one of the interesting things about the continuity of mindfulness is that it does begin, the stronger mindfulness gets, the more continuous mindfulness gets, the more it points out the gaps in mindfulness. It's not that you're less mindful, actually the mindfulness is stronger and it's able to see more where it's getting lost. And so that example, for example, of of standing in the dish line, you know, you're standing in the dish line, you're waiting, standing there, and, you know, very mindfully holding your plate and taking a step and very mindfully, and then it's your turn. And then maybe... What happens is that you're, um, you speed up a little bit or you think, oh, I don't, want, I don't want to hold up the line. That might be one thing that arises there. I don't want to hold up the line. Let me do this really quickly. And it's not so much the speediness of washing the dishes that has you lose the mindfulness, but maybe the idea of you've taken birth, as Carol was saying, you know, concocted this self of, oh, I need to be fast in doing this so that the people behind me have their turn fast. So what I'd like to encourage here is when you notice places or times that you 
lose mindfulness, activities in which you lose mindfulness. Again, rather than thinking doubling down, it's like, okay, you're standing in the dish line. Yes, I'm going to hold on to that mindfulness. I am going to be mindful all the way through washing those dishes. Rather than doing that, continue your practice as usual and see if you can add a little dose of curiosity. What happens in that situation that mindfulness gets lost? When mindfulness gets lost, there's usually something we've missed. There's something that's arisen that we haven't seen and our mind has exited, the mindfulness has exited right out that door. And so adding some curiosity, what is it? What is it that's happening in that situation? Curiosity can help to, to, um, rather than trying to double down and hold on to mindfulness, curiosity can begin to reveal just what is going on. I did this exploration for myself, I noticed it was, it was like, I was pretty mindful actually throughout, this was at a retreat at Spirit Rock, I was noticing this and it was a month long retreat I think. And uh, I was pretty mindful throughout the day, lots of um, uh, continuity of mindfulness. And what I, I began to recognize is I'd be pretty mindful and then when I was in the bathroom, I would, you know, I would, I would be pretty mindful in the, like, going in and doing my stuff in the bathroom and then washing my hands. And at some point, I would find myself gazing at myself in the mirror. And I had no recollection of doing that consciously. But I would wake up. I mean, it couldn't have been very long, you know, maybe like two seconds or three seconds. But I got very curious about what is that? What's going on there? You know, what, what is that? And so I just began to explore. I began to see, can, not to try to force myself to be mindful. If I was forcing myself to be mindful, that would probably mean forcing myself to not look in the mirror. Instead, I was curious about what is it? What is it that's bringing up that activity? It took a while, actually. It took a while to see what was going on. And it wasn't like any deep, dark, dark, you know, or old pattern of like wanting to be seen or, you know, any psychological. It was a habit. It was a habit. And just if mindfulness got, just for a split second, weak, the habit of what I did in the bathroom kicked in, looking at myself in the mirror. And after I saw that, I could begin to see, actually what I began to see is the intention to look up. I began to see the intention to look at myself in the mirror. And then I could choose. Do I do that? Do I not do that? Again, this, is, this supports the continuity. Supports the continuity. Sometimes people uh, attribute, you know, that, oh, my mindfulness gets lost in this place or in this time. It must mean that I have some thing that I'm trying to avoid or something. Sometimes it's as simple as habit. And so let go of theories about why you may or may not be mindful at a particular time and just be curious about what is actually happening there. You also might lose awareness in states of body. Pleasant states, unpleasant states. When uh, sometimes as the concentration develops and the body starts feeling very delightful, very pleasant, sometimes we can actually get lost in that, in that pleasantness. It's like we, we kind of are just blissing out. You know, we're just blissing out. We're not really clearly aware of the pleasantness of it. Or we get caught in states of pain. This is, um, this is an interesting thing to look at. When the mind slips out. Like when the mind... When there's this, you're, you're paying attention, observing pain, and the mind gets lost, 
or, or drifts out of the present moment. I found this to be very interesting to watch. What I discovered over and over again, and I'll describe one particular scenario that I explored, was that if I was noticing pain in the body, it's kind of like I began to see the mind had various strategies by which to avoid experiencing the pain. And most of those strategies involved not being mindful. I would say all of them until I started noticing the strategies. <laughs> you know, this, that the strategies involved kind of some, something. And when I would wake up into that experience, whatever strategy it had done, I would recognize, you know, while the mind was off doing that thing, whatever it was, sometimes it was a fantasy you know, that's a, that's a, that can be a kind of a common thing to happen if there's a lot of physical pain. Then the mind will just wander off into fantasy. And what, at one point when I woke up into that kind of experience, I recognized, wow, you know, while I was lost in that fantasy, the pain wasn't bothering me. And I got curious about that. I got curious. It's like the mind understood that it didn't have to be bothered by that pain. And it didn't know how to do that with mindfulness yet. So one example I'll give you that this, this, uh, this happened a couple years ago. I was um, teaching a retreat and I was noticing I had a lot of back pain um, during the teaching of the retreat. And in the sittings, I would notice um, that I was attending to the pain and noticing the changing nature of the pain. And then I would wake up noticing the mind singing. And... You know, that, that was kind of, at first it was like, okay, come back, be with the experience. But then I got curious about, you know, waking up into singing. And I noticed that in the waking up into singing, the mind had let go of its grip to the pain. You know, that before the mind had gotten lost, there'd been this kind of like pushing in, I'm going to be with this pain kind of experience. And the, uh, the singing, waking up into the singing, in the first moment of waking up into the singing, the mind recognized that it wasn't gripped to that pain and there was a different relationship that was possible to that pain. And so in that moment, in being mindful that the mind was not gripped to that pain, I watched in the next few moments the grip return. But I had for just a few moments seen what it was like to be with pain without that clamping down on it. And so just, I just watched this. It's kind of like watch the mind's, I, I tried to watch the mind's strategy of how it worked with pain. And as I, as I explored that, the mind learned something about how to let go of clamping down, gripping to the pain and be able to stay mindful of it. And actually in that exploration, the need to do the singing disappeared because the mind began to understand how to be present and not clamped down on the pain. So this was through curiosity. It's like sometimes the mind understands things. It's like there... You know, singing itself wasn't, singing and being lost in thought wasn't necessarily skillful. But the mind knew, there was some wisdom in the mind that knew the way you're paying attention to that pain is not helpful. And it created this strategy. And so, exploring that strategy, I learned something about how the mind could let go of squeezing down around pain. Kind of similar getting lost can happen around states of mind. I think we all have our favorite states of mind that we, uh, we may get lost in. You know, boredom, confusion, depression, planning, various states. So you, so you can begin to recognize, and this is another place where 
the moment of remembering will serve us. So if you're, if you know, if you're, you're mindful, um, and then notice that the mind has kind of spun out or gotten lost. So the mindfulness has disappeared. In the moment of remembering, if we've gotten lost through a state of mind, often the mind will kind of be hooked into that state as it's gotten lost. And so as we wake up, as we wake up into mindfulness, there are remnants of that state. You may be aware, oh, this boredom is present, or anger is present. When I first, when I first started my, my mindfulness practice, the thing that was really um, spinning me out was anger. I was so angry at a particular person. And my very first mindfulness practice was to just notice when I was angry. And mostly what that meant was waking up after having been caught by anger for some time. You know, so the mindfulness had, had gotten lost and my mind was just spinning in waking up into anger. And I began to just, okay, wake up, notice what's here. This is anger. Anger is present. That moment of remembering and the connecting with what's there in that moment, when the mind has gotten lost in states of mind, sometimes when it gets lost in states of mind, it's just, it's kind of at times not so, uh, the mindfulness isn't so strong around that particular state of mind. And the place that we can begin to get familiar with that state of mind is in the moment of waking up. And so for me, you know, waking up into anger. It's like, yes, okay, yep, this is anger. Boy, unpleasant. This doesn't feel very good. And what happens as we do that, as we connect with the experience of remembering to a particular state that we've been lost in, The, mind, the mindfulness, the mind begins to attune to that state, get familiar with that state, gets familiar with being mindful of that state. And in my own experience, in that very first exercise I did around anger, what I saw happening over the course of several months was that the mindfulness got more familiar with anger and because it was becoming used to, the the mindfulness was becoming um, interested in the anger and also familiar with the anger and the, uh, the mind started waking up into the pattern earlier and earlier in the process. And so, you know, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the way the anger just cycles. You know, it's like it spins up, it gets worse and worse. The first time I did this, I was in a full-blown rage by the time I recognized the anger. But over the course of several months, the mind began to get more familiar with being present with anger and began waking up earlier and earlier and earlier in the process. The mind wasn't in such a rage, it was more like normal anger. And then at one point, this was a couple months into my, just my exploration of mindfulness practice in daily life. At one point, I was, you know, just hanging out in my kitchen, doing stuff in my kitchen, and I saw a thought that would have led to anger had I not been mindful of it. And in that moment, the mind had been, was so attuned to anger, it was so attuned to the the quality of anger, that it knew it was coming. And in the seeing it, its potentiality, let's say, because it wasn't there yet, in the seeing its potentiality, the mind let go. And it didn't get angry. That was mind-blowing to me. I would, that was a couple months into my, into my practice, and I would say that was the moment I knew I would be practicing for the rest of my life. 
I could see the power of this practice to begin to reveal how these patterns are born. And so if you get lost into habitual mind states, be curious about what you're waking up into. That will attune the mind to that state and it will start, it will help the mind to be able to wake up into that state more easily. It will help it to be able to be present for that state more easily. The mind can also go into mind states. Now that was the, the, the last place I was talking was kind of where the, we, we may tend to get lost with kind of emotional charged states. And then the mind can also go into states where the mind is habitually not present. Spacing out, for instance. You know, spacing out seems to be the quintessential state of mind in which mindfulness is not present, right? I mean, it's like spaced out. How can mindfulness be aware of spacing out? So sometimes we have a belief that certain states of mind, that it's not possible to be mindful of certain states of mind. Spacing out might be one of those. And again, we may have a sense of trying to double down and hold on to the mindfulness and not try to not space out. Now, this is just an example of this kind of state. There are others in which we may... I mean, there's, there's a lot in the terrain of spacing out. Low energy, dullness, sleepiness, restlessness sometimes, where it feels like just... You know, the mind is just spinning so fast that it can't land on anything in restlessness. How can I possibly be mindful of anything when the mind is spinning that fast? Obviously, I need to slow it down. Or the spacing out. One of the key tools in my toolkit in being in, in practice is that I have come to recognize that Mindfulness can be mindful of anything. And if I have any sense, if there's something that's happening in my experience where there's any idea, can't be mindful of that, I question that. I don't believe it. Instead, I get curious. How might it be possible to be mindful of that? And at times it can take a while to understand Because very often, like with something like spacing out, there can be a very strong habit of not being mindful in that state of mind. So, one of the uh, best ways to explore this, again, is is the moment when you wake up after you've been lost. Often you'll notice the mind, I should have said this earlier in the talk, often we will notice the places that the mind gets lost in retrospect, right? You, you, you're, you're going through your day and you're kind of present and then you wake up and remember, oh, I was just not present. So it's in retrospect, often we notice. And so often, like in states of mind like this, habitual states of mind where we get lost, we'll wake up recognizing, oh, spaced out. I was lost and spaced out. And then because we have this belief, can't be mindful of being spaced out, we try to do something in that moment. We try to clear up the spaced out or we try to like bring our attention to something and pay attention to something really clearly. Sometimes the mind is simply spacing out. One example of this, um, again, just being curious about this. I was having breakfast one morning and I kept noticing the mind just going into spaced out mode. And initially, my habit or my 
you know, my kind of habit of practice was, okay, we're eating breakfast, pay attention to the breakfast, lifting, chewing, tasting, swallowing, you know, so I brought my attention back to that when I noticed I was spaced out. So initially I did that, but it kept happening. It happened over and over again. This is another great, great um, thing. If something happens over and over again like that, really get curious about it. Rather than getting frustrated, how come I can't control my mind? Be curious about what the mind is doing. And so it kept doing it over and over again. And at some point it's like, well, I guess this like trying to pay attention to the breakfast isn't like doing it. So let me see if I can notice what the mind is doing instead. And so I was like paying attention to eating and then began to recognize kind of this feeling of the mind. It's like, it was like the mind was here in front of me eating. And then it felt like the mind just took a break and went like sitting up here somewhere, like hovering over my head somewhere. And I could actually follow be with that experience. When I allowed the mind to do that, kind of like, it felt very pleasant, actually. I I was aware of this kind of buzzy, very relaxed state of mind. And in that, in being in that state, what I recognized was the mind was really tired. It was trying to take a break. It was trying to relax. And I had kept trying to get it to do something, right? Pay attention to breakfast, pay attention to breakfast. But what was actually going on was that the mind needed a break. It needed rest. And when I allowed it to rest with mindfulness, right? It was like, be aware. I watched the mind kind of go into that state. Felt the kind of buzziness of it. And at some point, all states are impermanent. It probably took 30, 40 seconds. The buzziness kind of dissipated. And then the mind was very clear. It's like the mind took its rest and that's what it needed to do. Again, sometimes I find this exploration around curiosity instead of thinking like I know what's the best thing to be mindful of I know it's best to be paying attention to breakfast right because that's what I'm doing that's where I'm supposed to be paying attention instead of feeling like I have the right thing or I know what to do be curious about what the mind is interested in paying attention to curious about that so you know exploring that the mind took its rest and then was very present. Sometimes we lose awareness as our practice deepens. This is counterintuitive in a way. You know, we think what, you know, being more continuously mindful means that we lose awareness less. But sometimes the very process and nature of the settling goes through periods where the mind wanders. I'll I'll describe this. I mean, one of the ways that happens is one of the ways we've talked about this kind of purity purification cycle where after a period of kind of more continuous mindfulness, it's like things that have been not seen for a while can come to the surface and there's a kind of a storm. So those kind of alternation between periods of calm and quiet and a storm of something that hasn't really been allowed to be at the surface or allowed to be known before. That's one way that that can happen as mindfulness settles. Another way this can happen is that as, as the mind begins to settle down, and this is, I'll give you the clue, the highlight or the, the, the kind of sign or thing that I look for 
in this, in this kind of situation. If there's been a period of time where the mindfulness has been fairly stable, I'm not saying 100% stable and not 100% here, but just pretty continuous, a fair amount of ability to meet experience in the present moment, not so much reactivity, some amount of calm. If after a period of, uh, like that, not too much getting lost, the mind suddenly starts to wander, get curious about that. It often means that, again, when the mind starts to wander in this way, it's something isn't being seen. And a pattern that I've seen happen frequently enough in my practice that I've decided to talk about it, and that I hear enough in the meetings with you that uh, I decide to talk about it, is that as the mind settles, it seems that, again, the mind is beginning to get interested in things that our conscious awareness, our what we know about, it's like beyond the scope of what we know about consciously. The mind starts getting interested in experience, phenomenon, states that are not things that we're familiar with. And so I'll give an example of this. Um, um, on, on one long retreat at the, uh, here at this course, I was at a place where for several days it was very easy to be present. I would sit down and the mindful, mindfulness was right there. It was right with the breath. And then, you know, it was like a couple days of that. And I was like, oh, great. I figured it out. <laughs> and then one day, the ne- one morning, I sat down and it was like the mind was just all over the place. It was thoughts galore. Unfortunately, rather than trying to like force myself to stay present, I got curious. It's like, what's happening? You know, what am I not seeing? What's, what is not seen here? And what I began to recognize is that, you know, I was paying attention to the breath, doing breath meditation, and within the space of like a half a breath, I would be right with, at the very beginning of the breath, I'd be right there. And within the space of half a breath, the breath would like disappear. And that's when the thoughts would start. It's like the experience was becoming, what, what I was used to paying attention to in the breath, the sensations I was used to paying attention to, it's like the mind, this is the mindfulness and this is the sensations. It's like the, the mind was used to paying attention to a certain level and type of sensation. And then those sensations started to get more subtle. And my habit of mindfulness was kind of still looking around up here and there wasn't much to find and the mindfulness would go into thought. This kind of thing happens as the mind settles down. Often the mind may start to be curious about or interested in something that we have never experienced before, don't even know about. And if, again, if we're trying to be in control, even the subtlest level of trying to be in control, I'm going to pay attention to the breath in this way. If we're trying to control that, and rather than being curious about, again, it's like, what is the mind interested in paying attention to? And so if you see, after a period of fairly stable practice, the mind starts to wander like that. And often it's kind of more of a drifting out of the present moment. It's not like the mind is charging out into into emotional reactive storms. It's just kind of like you're present and then suddenly it's like you're thinking about, you know, potato chips or, you know, baseball or, you know, the number of times I find myself thinking about something I know nothing about, you know. People talking to me I've never met, talking about things I've never 
heard about or even been interested in. It's like, it's just this kind of drifting state. If that's what's happening after a period of the mind settling, get curious about where is it that the mind is leaving. You can. Another thing to explore here is like that, that exploration around, you know, kind of being curious about where does the mind leave? Being attentive to the breath, I could see, ah, oh, it's slipping out at, at, as the uh, sensations get really subtle. And then as I saw that, it's like, okay, can I just be, at one point with the Saira Upandita, I remember reporting to him that the breath was getting too subtle to pay attention to and I had to pay attention to something else. He says, just know that it's subtle. Just know that the sensations are subtle. And I was like, wow, what a revelation. And so just recognizing, okay, sensations are quiet right now. Sensations are subtle right now. Kind of can allow the mind to land on that. Another um, you know, exploration around seeing how the mindfulness leaves or where the mindfulness leaves. There was um, another time I was exploring... Again, I was doing breath meditation and I was, had the agenda to be right with the breath. And so every time I, I began to be, you know, being right with the breath, I began to see, I could kind of see, and some of you may be able to start to see this at times, um, that, you know, the, the mindfulness kind of just getting a little bit not so connected to the breath kind of becoming that more or less mindful place around the breath. And as I saw that, so again, you know, breath, mindfulness. <laughs> it's like they were right together, and then I would notice the kind of the mindfulness losing touch with the breath. And my original exploration around that was, oh, come back, be with the breath. And I would notice the mindfulness was losing touch, and oh, come back, be with the breath. At some point in watching this happen multiple times, I got curious. It's like, oh, the mind, mind is leaving the breath. It's like, wow, but I'm mindful of that. Let's see where it wants to go. Instead of, again, having the agenda that I think I know what the best thing to do is, that very focused attention. It was like, what, what I saw there, it's like the mind let go of the breath and opened into a much more broad, receptive space, as opposed to a focused, directed mindfulness. It was, it was a space I had never experienced before. I had never explored or touched into that. And I began to understand it through watching the mind do what it was doing. Mindful when it was leaving the breath. Just, oh, let's see. It's like, oh, I'm aware of that. Let's see where it wants to go. I'm mindful. Let's see where it wants to go. We often have an idea, I think based on some familiarity we have around um, what it feels like when mindfulness starts getting stronger. You know, our first few tastes of mindfulness getting stronger may happen on retreat, may happen when we're slowed down. Um, We see things in a particular way. Things maybe are really clear. We're seeing things very sharply, precisely. We're seeing a lot more detail. And we get the idea that that's what mindfulness is. And so we may have the idea, you know, have that sense of that's what mindfulness is. And then what we do is we try to construct that. We try to find that state. Even when we're already mindful, we try to find that state. I did this on one retreat. I was uh, practicing with Saito Utejaniya in Burma. And... um, I was exploring a lot of different ways the mind paid attention. Uh, And so that may be why this began began to be clear to me. But um, 
as I was, I was doing some walking meditation, and then as I walked back to my dorm, where I was doing my sitting meditation in my room, I noticed that the mind was trying to put itself into a state of mind in order to meditate. And in that doing, I recognized, well, but wait a minute, I'm already mindful. What, what's wrong with this state? You know, what's wrong with this state? And what I saw was that the idea was that I needed to subtly repress thoughts. It was that the state that the mind was trying to put itself in was a a state of repressing thoughts. So, one um, exploration around mindfulness again here, you know, again, this, this topic of investigating mindfulness. If I'm trying to change the state of my mind in order to be mindful, and if ask if that's necessary. I ask myself, is that necessary? Very often it's, it's already mindful. And again, there are, there are so many different ways that mindfulness can be experienced. Sometimes it's got that really precise, very clear, you know, like you're seeing all this detail. Sometimes mindfulness feels so ordinary. It's like you wake up in the morning and it's like, it's just so completely ordinary. It's like, I remember this happening on one three-month course. I woke up in the morning and it's like, wow, it just feels so ordinary. And I had to check, am I being mindful? It just seemed like it was so ordinary. Sometimes it can feel really ordinary. Sometimes it can feel really broad and vast and open. Sometimes it can feel very precise and directed. Check the awareness. Are you aware? Are you aware? And be curious about what awareness is already aware of. Let go of any idea that it's supposed to be a certain way, and that will guide you to see so much that you could never even possibly conceive of. We cannot find our way to the unknown by being with things we know. We have to allow ourselves to open to the unknown, the things we're not familiar with, being aware in ways we're not familiar with. So I'm hoping this is encouraging you to be curious about exploring your mindfulness, exploring your experience. The curiosity, the factor of curiosity is so helpful And there's so much to learn. As we explore this uh, quality of mindfulness and it begins to become more continuous, which this exploration does, we see our own minds. We see how our minds get caught, how it gets lost. And we also start to see just the processes of mind, the ways it works, the, the aggregates. We start to see how, how our minds function. We don't have to create anything special to be mindful of. The five aggregates are happening all the time. Any moment we wake up and can just be with what's here, begins to point us to the wisdom of impermanence, unreliability, not self. Curiosity, curiosity about this. Be willing to go, be willing to, be willing to let the mind point some things out to you. Sometimes, sometimes it knows things that we don't consciously know. Let's just sit for a minute.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.